This episode is brought to you by KG Productions for Krishna Nose. We are doing the Uddhav Gita chapter 12. Uh, we had completed till verse 28. So we will be doing from verse 29 onwards. But since 29 is uh, just a verse which tells us from in between. So I will just give you an beginning from 27-28 also. So it just gives an idea So, it will give you an idea about whom we are talking about and how we are supposed to do the things concerning that individual. Now, these verses starting from 27 onwards are talking about the Guru. So, let me just recap 27 and 28 for your understanding. He should know the Guru to be my own self and never disregard or look down upon him as a man for the teacher represents all the gods. So this verse we had done. So in this verse, Sri Krishna is telling Uddhava that always consider the Guru as my representation and as if I am doing something. That means I am teaching you. So this verse tells us clearly that Krishna is saying that I am the Jagat Guru. I am the ultimate Guru of all. And if you have a Guru in your life, then it is your duty to consider him as me. So in verse 27 chapter 12, he tells the individuals, that the Guru is to be considered as his Tattva, as his representation. Verse 28 says, In the morning and evening he should bring doles of food or whatever else he may have received to his teacher and eat what he orders too with moderation. That means whatever the Guru needs to be done I mean, has to be given, the disciple is supposed to go and get it for him. Now, this may sound very odd. In today's day and age, it may sound very strange because is the disciple supposed to go and beg? (laughs) The biggest question would be that. Is the disciple supposed to go and beg outside? In olden times, those who are on the path of spiritual had to do that. The sannyasi was supposed to go and beg for food outside. During the time of Samartha Ramdas and other people, those who were there, right from Shankaracharya downwards, every person, the idea was to go and beg for food. Even in Shankaracharya's time or even during the time of Tukaram Maharaj or anybody, right? From there to here. The late 19th century, things changed. Now, beggars were treated like dirt. 
if a saint or his disciple would go and beg for food or for that matter anything, it is considered as a crime. People think that these people are rogues and they need not be given anything. And that is the reason why even the government, even a common man started treating all these people who wear orange color clothes and come to beg at the door as pariahs, as dogs. It is no longer required that the saints and his coterie The disciples of the Guru were supposed to beg in the past and in today's day and age they may not. The dependency of the Guru is not on anybody but it is the job of the society to provide for him. The society is supposed to take care of their sages and the saints. The Gurus have to be taken care by the common man. In few countries in this world, like say for example Myanmar or Thailand, this policy is still followed where early in the morning the disciples go out wandering in a certain fixed path and there are people standing outside who provide them with the food. This practice is still followed in such countries. But countries like India and wherever it is supposed to be done, they have fallen off the path. Now this may not seem as a big thing. It appears very trivial. But let me assure you, in the Bhagavad Gita, Uddhav Gita and all the scriptures, it is a very big crime. The crime is that if there is nobody to take care of these people of God, I am not going to call them Godmen because Godmen in India is a bad word. All the crooks in India are called Godmen. Hmm? I am going to say the people of God they have to be taken care by the common folks and if somebody is falling down in their duty, naturally it's a grave sin and it is there in the scriptures. So let us see the verse that we are supposed to do today. Verse 29, chapter 12, the last message of Sri Krishna from the Uddhav Gita. He should always worship the teacher serving him as a menial by following, resting, sitting, being near with folded palms. Now, the one who is following the Guru, that is the disciple of the Guru, what is that disciple's job? That disciple's job is to when it is, it is being said by Sri Krishna is to be a menial. Menial means a servant. Now there is a path which talks about 
how a servant has to be. The greatest of the greatest is called Hanumanji. Okay? Hanuman or Anjaneya as they call in South India. Hanuman is the greatest devotee of Sri Ram. He is also called the greatest servant. He will always be at the feet of Sri Ram. Now what is the job of the disciple of this Guru. The disciple's job is to worship the teacher. That is, Guru Seva he is supposed to do constantly. When he does Guru Seva, he is to serve him as a menial, serve him as a servant. So, whatever activity that has to be done, say for example, in olden times they would get the water, food, clothing or whatever. He is taking care of even the barest necessities that are there that the disciple was supposed to take care of. The Guru's job was just to teach and run the ashram. So, how does that work? Whatever the Guru is doing, he is supposed to follow the Guru. That means if the Guru goes to some place, the disciple who is acting like his menial would follow him. I will give you certain examples from the early 19th century. In case of Ramakrishna Paramahansa, there were a couple of his devotees, disciples, who would even in the middle of the night or during the day, Go with him in the pine grove. Now, the pine grove is the place where he would, you know, do his daily ablutions. So they would carry the pot of water also. Now, these were greatest of the disciples. Let me assure you this much. So if Ramakrishna Paramahansa wanted to go out for a walk also, they would go out with him. So that was their job. They would literally follow him everywhere. In the last four years of life of Ramakrishna Paramahansa, you will find that there were a lot of these kind of people. They came, they served him, some brought him food, some brought him little pieces of cloth, some helped him wherever he was staying, so on and so forth. So, serving him as a menial by following, following around, you know, like how a dog will follow the master. So, he is called the spiritual master. The spiritual master. So, like I said, I will give you a couple of examples. Another example is my Gurudev, Dattatreya. Now, Dattatreya is always followed around by four dogs. If you've seen any picture of the Tatra, you will always find that there are four dogs all over him, near him. These are nothing but the Vedas. These are the four Vedas that follow the highest of the Guru. Now, in case of Sai Baba, now when Sai Baba of Shirdi was there, 
there were lot of people around like Chandorkar and all but there was a one person who was called as Abdul now Abdul would be literally taking care of Baba constantly where he is sleeping sleeping what he is doing taking care of all the needs of Baba when Baba was talking to his devotees he would be cleaning the place around you know trying to keep the whole thing proper clean and neat one day while he was doing this kind of a cleaning one of the devotees of baba he had a certain boy okay and baba looked at his devotee and said you know what just now a crow will come and peck at you this was a very strange way of talking so they were wondering where did the crow where is the crow going to come from inside the masjid mai now that was a place where baba was sitting on his stone and he was talking to his disciples devotees everybody around and suddenly it so happened that abdul mia was coming walking through all the crowd and he stepped on this person's boil and it burst <laughs> so they <laughs> looked at him and he shouted out in pain that was the crow which uh, which sai baba was talking about actually he never meant it in any derogatory fashion that is the dearest of the dear that was with him so Abdul was one of his closest devotees so you can understand Abdul was taking care of all the things he was carrying a broom to sweep the whole place up and he used to do all the menial tasks now when you do a menial task i can assure you one thing for sure the most the this the silliest of the menial tasks that might be you know you may think that oh this is so stupid i don't have to do this no but even picking up the slipper pick, picking up this padugas <laughs> of the guru and going and giving it to him is appears like a menial task but do you know the entire brahmand the entire universe is in the feet of the guru so when you lift those slippers or those chappals of his or those padukas as we call them when you lift them you are actually touching the greatest of the great the brahmand for that matter the entire creation is resting at the feet of the guru and that is the reason why it may appear like a silliest of the task but to do that is the greatest of the greatest goods that you might have done good in this world so he should be serving like following resting when the guru is resting this person is supposed to provide him with whatever provisions that are there where ramkrishna paramahansa was concerned they would provide him with one load load is a round pillow you know behind him he would reject it it's a different story that the guru may reject that <laughs> pillow but it is important to provide him providing this is the job of this person 
these are menial tasks remember this but they have the highest benefit in the scriptures and that is the reason why sri krishna is telling uddhava what is to be done while sitting ensure that the sitting place is perfectly clean and tidy and being near him with folded hands to always be near the guru with folded hands why why is it important the reason why it is important is because there might be certain needs of the guru that need to be fulfilled it's like yesterday we had some very great people coming to our ashram over here naturally it was important to serve the guest because as everybody knows atithi deva bhava so if they wanted some water or some kind of a you know things to be served they had to be provided so this disciple if he is nearby then the guru can tell him i want this can you please offer it to them where ramkrishna paramahansa was concerned he always had people around him those who took care of him and he would say can you give him this can you get the prasad from the temple and give it to him and they would do the job and this is the way guru tests his disciples and it is important that they follow this religiously so he should be near him with folded palms the folded palms is submission you know remember it is servitude you are serving the master that is the reason why verse 30 chapter 12 from the uddhav gita shri krishna is telling uddhava behaving thus he should live in the house of a teacher shunning comforts and maintaining absolute chastity till his study is complete the disciple who requires who is definitely interested in reaching the highest goal in spirituality should live with the teacher in absolute submission like a menial the way it was mentioned in the previous verse and he should not be looking after his own comforts at all shunning comforts shunning comforts to what level that there may be no such thing as you know in today's day and age there are air conditioners the gurus are roaming around in fancy cars or whatever no this person is supposed to see to it that he shuns all comforts and maintaining absolute chastity normally when the guru is around there are lots of female devotees and disciples who may come the job of this particular devotee is not to interact with any woman absolutely not even talking to them and this is important because chastity is one of the greatest vows of this individual when you follow the path of reaching the divine lust and greed are two things which you have to chuck out of the window 
A person should not even look at another woman, not even serve her. Uh, this is the truth which Krishna is telling. He says that the person should have absolute chastity, no evil thoughts, no wrong thoughts at all about a female. In the same way, if a woman is his devotee of the Guru, she should not have any thoughts about any males. This is true for all of them. And the interaction between the two sexes is not allowed. This is the truth. There should be no such kind of a thing. Till what time? Till the study is complete. When the Shishya, when this disciple, when the devotee is sitting with the Guru, taking that lesson, these are the things that he is supposed to do. Behave like a menial, take care of all the needs of the Guru, may have to go out and beg for food, see to it that he is provided with literally everything, keep away from all the people from opposite sex, not interact with them at all and keep to himself learning from the Guru, taking care of all his basic needs, always being next to him with folded hands. So till his study is complete, he has to do that. In the current yoga, I have interacted with a few of people who think of themselves as disciples. They are not disciples at all. They are interacting with the Guru as if the Guru is some strange guy. They love to stay in an ashram. They love to go and smoke, drink and they look out for women in the ashram. It's one of the worst things possible. When young people who I interact with, they are talking about this girl is so beautiful. That one is like this and that one is like that. They are not even serving the purpose of their existence over there. These young boys and girls, when they visit the ashram, they want to get into affairs. Krishna is very clearly saying, you are not even supposed to interact with another person person of the opposite sex, no interaction whatsoever. These people stay in an ashram and have affairs after affairs. People from other ashram connect with me saying that, oh, I have a heart problem. You know why? Because my girlfriend left me. What is? What are you talking about? They stay over there so that they can do drugs. They can go out for a smoke. They can go out for a drink. This is the way an ashram is treated nowadays. People who have no morals whatsoever, they are there only for their personal, you know, selfish needs. Such type of people need not even stay in the ashram. They cannot be called a disciple. They cannot be called people in spiritual. And that is the reason why I don't think they are even fit to be called disciples. And this is the current yuga and this is the way in which people behave. They treat ashram like places to connect with people of opposite sex. It is not a good thing. And that is the reason why Krishna is advising 
that a disciple has to maintain his integrity should be focused in only serving the guru and taking care of his needs should always be there next to him with folded hands. The Guru Tattva is always interested in finding this kind of disciples because then their doorway towards reaching the ultimate is open. Whereas if somebody is using an ashram for their personal gain, the doorway to hell is open for them. And that is guaranteed. You cannot go to any ashram and have affairs. You cannot go to an ashram and start smoking and drinking and doing drugs. That is not a done thing. And arguing with the guru or talking whatever they feel like against other people is not an accepted thing. Their job is to keep silent and quiet and listen and do the job that is assigned. So we will move to the next verse. We are doing Uddhav Gita chapter 12 verse 31. If he wishes to get to the Brahma Loka where the Vedas reside, he should while observing continence surrender his body unto the teacher as a tribute for the study. Those who are really keen on attaining the absolute divine that is reaching the Brahma Loka. Such a person where he can get to understand the core of the Vedas teachings, the absolute core of the Vedas, such a person while he is living with his teacher, observing continence, there should be absolutely no contact of any kind. See, it so happens that when people, they approach the ashram and they think that they can stay in the ashram and want to have personal contact with their relatives and friends and also their spouses or their boyfriends or girlfriends and have sexual contact with them is the worst thing they can do. They can never reach their destination and goal ever. Continence is continence means not having any contact with opposite sex or in whichever way possible. If there are married people, if they come to the ashram and they want to achieve the highest of their goals, I don't think they should ever bother about their spouses. If you are interested in your spouse, that is not the place for you to go. Ashram is not a place where a person can go. If every day if a person is bothered about what my husband or what my wife is doing, how my children are faring, how is this world going about, what is my brother and sister and this one and that one is doing, I don't think that person is suitable for an ashram you know, place. They have to get out of it. A person who lives in the ashram normally seems to the one who has to be doing all those things which I mentioned in the last four verses, four or five verses. This person is supposed to have absolute continence, no contact of any kind with the opposite sex, even if they are married. 
absolutely none whatsoever they should recite like that surrender the body unto the teacher the body has to be completely surrendered to the teacher you cannot say that oh i can't this because my leg is paining my you know stomach is hurting or this is happening or that is happening no these are certain things which have to be absolutely not entering the picture there should be no connect with anybody you have to surrender your body to the teacher which means the teacher will do whatever it is necessary to train that body the reason is very very see please understand what is the reason for it the body is the biggest obstacle whereas spiritual is concerned where a person who is coming to the ashram will start talking about oh i have this pain i have that pain i have to do this i have to do that that is not guru's job and that is not something that you have to trouble your guru with keeping your body in perfect harmony and not complaining and talking about it all the time is something that you got to learn especially the women folks in the ashram or wherever they are they normally keep on talking the whole day about the kind of problems that they have in their life i have had number of women who have come to me and the first thing in the morning early in the morning they will talk about oh my back is hurting my this is hurting my that is happening and this is i understand if if those are your issues then you should not even have joined the ashram no you are not supposed to bother about it the surrender of the body is so important uh, the answer is what i am giving you if you cannot overcome your body if there are pains aches or whatever if you cannot overcome your body how do you think you will ever reach the innermost core i don't think you have a chance also the moment you start complaining about things in the material world about all your problems connected to the body you have already fallen down in some of the past stories that are there shivaji maharaj story which i am doing this satsang every evening from monday to friday on the das bodh shiva chatrapati shivaji maharaj's guru was samarth ramdas i will tell you how maharaj used to behave the maharaj would come barefoot running from his killa killa means the fort the moment he came to know that his guru is in the vicinity somewhere he would start running towards it because his spies were all over the place why was he in the fort by the way do you know that because his guru agya was there his guru had given him specific instructions go be the king on my behalf do you understand this he was following strict instructions of the guru so he would say 
Go be the king on my behalf. Rule the kingdom on my behalf because you have given the kingdom to me. Samartha Ramdas said these words to Shivaji Maharaj. So Shivaji Maharaj had kept the two padukas of his guru on the throne and he would rule the kingdom. The moment he came to know that his guru was in the vicinity because his guru would be roaming all over the place. The moment he came to know about it, whether he was wearing, you know, his fancy jewel, you know, all those kind of crowns or clothes or something, he would just leave them aside and he would just start running towards the jungle. Behind him, his entire commanders-in-chief and everybody would follow on horseback. Because they came to know that the king is running to meet his guru. So this is the way they will come. And they knew the instructions very well. The instructions was to get the food and all the comfort things that you can offer to the guru has to be brought along with it. So all these other people, the courtiers, they would be getting the food and other things. The guru would be sitting in the jungle with his other disciples. He had four other disciples and he would sit with them. And they might have gone to beg for food somewhere, the four of them. They would go to the village, nearby village to beg for food. The guru was sitting in the jungle and Shivaji Maharaj would come and pay his respects to the guru, bowing down to him, completely falling on the ground. His, all his army and everybody was around him waiting for instructions and Maharaj would tell them to please offer all the food that was there. Okay. Samartha Maharaj, his disciples, when they came back. So Swami Samartha, who was over there, Samartha Ramdas, when his disciples returned from the villages after begging for food, it is called Madhukari. Madhukari means the food which you get from begging. So what would he do? All the food which the king had bought, he would send it to the nearby villages and serve the army with the food. He would say, this is a prasad, eat it. And what would he eat? All the food that was begged and brought, that little food that was begged and brought, he would make on the leaves. He would make small pancakes and with the wood burning over there. And they would, he would make a small fire and burn it and make it into small edible items. Shivaji Maharaj would be sitting over there waiting for his guru. The guru would serve, the four disciples of his would serve the guru and they would have. There was hardly anything left for Shivaji Maharaj. After the meal was over, Maharaj who was bowing down at the feet of his guru, always like I said in supplication, Imagine he was the king of, he was a Maratha king, a Chhatrapati, means the ruler from top to bottom. Till the end of India, he was the ruler. He would be bowing in supplication. Once the Guru finished his food, whatever was the leftover was eaten by Shivaji Maharaj. That was the case of such a great king. 
Today he is a revered king. When you come to Mumbai, you will see his statue put up over there. He is worth revering. Please remember this. Nobody does the way he has done. That is the mark of a great disciple or a devotee as you call him. So, he should while observing continence surrender his body. This is a way of surrendering the body to the teacher. As a tribute for the study, whatever the lessons that the Guru is giving, the lessons may not even account for anything. The Guru sometimes will not even give a lesson. He will say, go sit in the corner, do this, go clean the vegetables. You may think that that is a stupid lesson. But that is not a stupid lesson. To learn even how to cook or clean the vegetables or clean the vessels is an art which the Guru teaches and you have to do it perfectly. You may think it's a menial, stupid task. No. That is the way of reaching the highest. One of the disciples of Adi Shankaracharya was given such kind of menial tasks there were other disciples of his who were leaning, reading the great Shastras. There was somebody who was biarting the Vedas. Somebody was doing the prayer. Somebody was doing different, different kinds of things. But this person, Totaka his name was, was given the most menial task. His job was to take care of his Guru. That's it. So, Suddenly in the middle of night, he may think, oh my guru must be awake now, he must be roaming around. And he would go to his room and lie down over there outside, sleeping on the ground, thinking that my guru may call out to me any minute. And when he went to the other disciples, the other disciples shunned him. They said, we don't want to teach you anything. You are a stupid fellow. You are a duffer, you know, absolutely duffer. You don't understand anything. So this disciple used to be always thinking so sadly that I don't have that great brain which my other you know, fellow disciples have. I am no use. So I have to serve my master. One fine day, the master calls out to him. Without reading a single way, without reading a single verse, he makes that boy recite the end entire thing in front of all his other disciples. They thought that he may not understand anything but the power of the Guru which worked through the disciples he was able to recite the greatest of the poems. That is the power. Finally when the appointment of Jagat Guru, the appointment of you know the master of the ashram came into the picture the most humblest of all, Shureshwaracharya was given the charge of Shringeri Ashram. And Totaka, the person whom I am talking about just now, was given the charge of the ashram in the Himalayas. He became the Shankaracharya of that ashram. So you may think that that person is worthless. An average person normally looks at this kind of people and eh, he is not good. 
But please understand one thing. These are the same people who have the highest definition of devotion in life and they will reach the highest. We'll move to verse 32. Uddhav Gita chapter 12 verse 32 Being sinless and possessed of the strength that comes of studying the Vedas, he should worship me, the supreme being, in the fire, the teacher, his own self and in all, in the spirit of identity. This is again an important thing which a person should know. This person should be absolutely sinless. No lust, no greed, no sins of any kind. No interaction with any woman devotees. Like I said to you, absolute continence. A woman devotee, whereas a man is concerned, and if there is a woman devotee, no interaction of any kind with the men. When they have this kind of a thing going on, they become absolutely sinless. They are possessed of the strength that comes to them. They are possessed of the highest of the strength. This is the spiritual strength that comes to a person. That is also conferred by the Vedas. When you study the Vedas and the Shastras, which the Guru teaches, it could be even a very simple book like the Bhagavad Gita. If the Guru is taught you this, that is the that is the highest of the Vedas you can consider. Alright? He should worship me. Who is talking now? Krishna is talking about his own self. Krishna says, when you are having this kind of single-pointed devotion, Please worship the divine in me. I am the highest of the gods. Please understand one thing. This was a question which was raised. I am giving an answer to all those people who, who had raised these questions. The Trinity, that is Brahma, Vishnu and Mahesh or Shiva as we call him. And every other God in this world is a manifest divinity. They come from Prakriti. They are created. They are not higher than Krishna. Krishna is the unmanifest and beyond. The God Almighty, Supreme Divine Unmanifest of the second abode. Remember this. So Krishna has to be worshipped. The worship of all other gods you can definitely do. Not that you are not supposed to do. You can worship any other god in, in your liking. To your liking. The entire thing goes only to Krishna. So when you worship any god also, it goes directly to him. So why not worship him directly? So he says, you are supposed to worship me. I am the supreme being. What else? You should worship me in the fire. Worship me, Krishna, in the fire. So when there is a fire, when they make the havan, alright, look at that havan and worship me in that fire, the sacred fire as we call it. The teacher, the guru, when you look at the guru, you have to worship the guru, you can see Krishna in him and his own self. When you see God in your own being, 
Look at your own self. Justify yourself that. Are you qualified to worship yourself? If you have small, small errors in the system, if your body is incapable of handling anything, then you are not worthy of worshipping, isn't it? So make yourself empowered. You know the essence of God, Krishna is in you. Don't keep on trashing yourself all the time. I can't do this. This is not possible. That is not possible. I am unwell. I have sickness. My problems are there with my relatives. I have to earn the money. All this kindly throw them outside. You are not supposed to bother about all these things. Focus in your world. Know that you have the essence of God in you. Worship that. See Krishna in your own being because he is that divine consciousness in you. I am that amsh. That little portion is there of mine is what Krishna says. And in all beings. You have to see Krishna in every person. You cannot say that this person is a villain. This person is not good. That person is not doing. No. Krishna is in everything. You have to see and worship him in everything. Even the worst of your enemies you have to worship him. And then in the spirit of identity. What is identity? Identity identifying Krishna in all the manifest and the unmanifest form as well. Unmanifest cannot be identified as you know. Brahma is invisible. Even in that unidentifiable form you have to worship him. And what you identify also you need to worship, worship him. Identify him in everything. It is only He alone that is there. That is what you have to understand. We will do verse 33 now. This is chapter 12, Uddhav Gita, last message of Sri Krishna, verse 33. Persons other than householders should forbear to look at, touch, converse, cut jokes, etc. with women slash men and avoid seeing animal pairs. Forget about animal pairs. People love to watch porn so much in today's day and age. Even in the social media where the media says you are not supposed to have all these pictures there are pictures over there. There are those kind of things. You First and foremost, you are not even supposed to be thinking about it. There is an exception over here. If a person is a householder devotee, who is a householder devotee? A householder devotee doesn't stay with the guru. No. A householder devotee is a married person. Alright? That person may or may not have children, may or may not have his in-laws or whoever they are. So a householder devotee is not required to stay in the ashram at all. 
it is only when you have given up your family that you can stay as a disciple or a devotee in the ashram. When you still need to have a householder's life, where you are living a common man's life, at that point in time, you are allowed to live with your spouse. Just like M, Mahendranath was told, go and enjoy with your wife. The day you are satisfied, the way you think everything is over, then you come. The idea Sri, Sri Ramakrishna used to always deride him because of that life of his. When you come in spiritual, you have to chuck out that life. No, you cannot have any relationship whatsoever with the other people. So here Krishna is telling that they should forbear people who are there in the ashram. They should not even look at, not even look at a woman. Not even, if a woman is there, then the woman is not even supposed to look at a man. Should not touch them. No touching whatsoever. I have seen in a couple of ashrams where people are literally not only, forget about shaking hands. They are putting their arms around their women or the women are doing all kinds of nonsensical activities and going about the ashram. That is not a place to do such kind of a thing. Then you are a, purely a material worldly person. No. No touching is required. Absolutely no touching whatsoever. People have this habit of even touching the feet. No, not even doing that. That is not accepted. Ramakrishna Paramahansa himself used to say, I will call everybody Ma. So every woman that walked inside his place, he would call that person Ma. That is mother. Maybe even a young person, but still. So, should forbid to look at touch or converse. No conversation should be done with the opposite sex. Absolutely no conversation. If you are a devotee of the Guru, you have to avoid conversing with the opposite sex. And cut jokes. Never cut jokes. Don't make mischief. Don't do, you know, all kinds of nonsensical talk over there. No. No cutting jokes at all. Except with women. That means you are not supposed to do those kind of things at all. So I hope that is understood. Verse 34 and 35. Cleanliness, sipping of water, preparatory to certain functions, performance of the services due to morning, noon and evening, straightforwardness, the visiting of the holy places, repetition of the mantra, avoidance of things not to be touched or eaten and a person not to be accosted, looked upon all beings as myself and control of mind, speech and body. These, O Uddhava, are the observances meant for all the orders of life. Now we are coming not to the person who is there in the ashram, but if you are a devotee of your guru, if you are a disciple of your guru, these are certain things that you need to follow. The person may be staying in their home. The person might be a householder. But these are certain things that have to be followed. First is cleanliness. 
you cannot be unclean. Any time of the day, you have to be clean. So you got to wear clean clothes. You have to look fresh in the morning. The bath and all other ablutions have to be over in the morning. Even if it is a woman. Women normally think that, you know, Oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. This is what I got to do. You are not suitable for an ashram if you are thinking like those things. No. Those who remember the story of Kukut Maharaj, you know, Swami Kukut, even the three goddesses which came to visit him, early in the morning, they cleaned the ashram. They were absolutely clean and pure the moment they left it. Which simply means that you got to clean yourself even whosoever you might be. Maintain cleanliness. Don't be a lazy bone and say, I will have bath in the evening. No, this is not a done thing. Wear fresh clothes. Sipping of water preparatory to certain functions. When certain pujas are being done, I am sure those who have seen pujas and parts being done. You pour water, you know. And that is called tirtham. Alright. So, sipping off of the water is important. It is an important rite to be performed. So, always do that. Performance of the service due in the morning, noon and evening. Three times in a day, Krishna is saying you got to do service. That means when you pray to God, Three times in a day. Early morning, afternoon and in the night. Just before the sun sets, you know, during the sunset. You have to do your daily prayers. Visiting holy places. Holy place, visit to holy places is a must. At least once or twice in a year you have to visit some holy place so that you can your sins can be washed away. Repetition of the mantra, whatever mantra that your guru has given, you got to keep on repeating it literally every single moment of your time. You don't have to wait for any specific timing as such. No, just keep on repeating the mantra. Avoidance of things not to be touched or eaten. There are certain things which a person has to avoid and not touch them. So if you are a Brahmin, then you are not supposed to be eating any non-vegetarian food. Right? So, it really doesn't matter. So, don't even bother going in that direction, thinking about it at all. So, not even touching. Don't even touch it. No. If that is the kind of thing that you are supposed to be doing, don't even go in that direction. Yeah. Certain things which a person says, I may not eat onion, I may not eat chilies or I may not eat sugar or lasun. Please don't do that. Don't even touch those foods. This is for people, those who have taken vows of different kind. Okay. A person not to be accosted. Don't even touch a person that has to be accosting. Basically, even if you call out to the person, hey, hey, come here, look. Normally people tap or say some things. A person may be a woman or a man. Doesn't matter. Don't. 
you don't have to accost a person you don't have to touch that person to call out to that person or say certain words please maintain distance like coronavirus says six feet distance please maintain that six feet distance you don't have to go and touch and call out to another person going near to that person this is meant for people who are householders also remember this it is not meant for people in the ashram looking upon all beings as myself so look and all the things as krishna himself that means you have to have equanimity of mind and to see krishna in everything you cannot say that this is my mother in law she is a witch you know people have this habit of calling all their relatives by different different names no nothing doing you cannot do that then looking upon all beings as myself controlling the mind speech and body whether you are in the ashram or whether you are outside the control of your mind speech and body is absolutely required you cannot speak whichever language you feel like your speech has to be pure people have this habit of saying expletives and then saying sorry 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 doesn't clean anything you will still go to hell for saying the bad language please understand this even in the worst case scenario you are not supposed to say any bad words have no bad thoughts got it so controlling the mind speech and body is essential these odava are the observances meant for all orders of life so whatever i have said in this verse the entire verse is meant for every person everybody who is interested in spiritual you should know that this is what you have to do got it why because if you are interested in reaching the ultimate spiritual destination these are the important things that you got to follow so we have come to the end of verse 34 and 35 we will stop over here and i will see you all the coming week on saturday early morning at 6:30 for the uddhav gita satsang so take care of yourself and have a very good day bye